On this episode of Investors and Operators, I sit down with Ryan Parker, Director of Marketing for Trivest Partners, and the man behind one of the most cutting edge marketing strategies in the private equity industry. We go deep into tactics here. Everything from uh, chat functions on their website, to the blogs, to email marketing, we go deep. Please feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions. Uh, Investors and Operators is the media arm of 51 Labs, which is a marketing firm focused on the M&A and VC communities. We do LinkedIn marketing, video marketing. We host events such as annual meetings, uh, including webinars, tons of stuff that we do. Please feel free to reach out. Thank you. What's your story? What's the background before you got in and try this? Wow. Hey, so I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a finance guy or a private equity guy or anything like that. Um, I, I have a varied background. Uh, my education is, is more on the real estate side, really. And, um, but I worked in a number of startups. I uh, um, worked uh, in the sports business for a lot of my career. And uh, the thread has been brand development for me. And so um, I've had to be the only, I've been the only marketer on staff in a number of places, in a number of types of companies, which has really prepared me to be kind of that resource that's sort of evergreen, right? I can, I'm very, I find myself to be very versatile and I can pick up things that I don't know. Um, and so uh, that's been, that's been very good in the role that I'm in now with Trivest. Uh, they didn't have a marketer in, this is their 40th year as a firm, founded in 1981. And up until a year and a half ago, when I started, the firm never had a marketer before on staff, someone to really think about it. And so- How, how big is Trivest? What fund are you guys on? How many portfolio companies? Like how many- Sure. So we're 50 professionals, uh, started 40 years ago, uh, 2.2 billion under management. Uh, right now we're on our sixth um, core fund, the buyout fund is our is Trivest Fund 6. Um, and we also have uh, a, a growth fund, which is a non, does non-control deals. And then we have a smaller fund that just opened up uh, this year uh, called the Trivest Discovery Fund, which is uh, it's investing control deals into smaller family and founder-owned businesses uh, that are in fragmented industries. Right, so these are sm- the, the lower the threshold is a little bit smaller to give a whole new crop of founders and owners uh, a private equity option they may not have had before. Uh, so uh, we have 34 pri- uh, portfolio companies at the moment, and um, and uh, this year we've done 37 transactions, 37 investments this year, did 46 last year. So prolific, uh, we very busy. Um, and so I think I think if you do the numbers on that one, that puts us in the top ten, top ten maybe of all firms in, of our size in America as far as deal activity. Well, I, I have a ton of respect for what you guys do on marketing. It's it's cutting edge, and I think it's pioneering in this new era of what I like to call semi-private equity or business development 3.0. I really, really respect what you guys have done on the website, the, you know, the different, you know, URLs that you have for the different things that you want to lead people to, to the chat function that's on your homepage, to the overall vibe and branding of the firm. What's the story of that? Because I, 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 when I went to try this website, you know, year plus ago, it was not what it is today. No, no. 
What has been the journey that you guys have been through over the past year or so since, since yeah. you've come on? Wow. That's a, it's a, that's a big one. Um, and, and a core part of, of my involvement with Trivest. When I joined the firm, I, I saw it as a really, as a great growth opportunity for the firm uh, and, and bringing some of the skills that I had that they didn't have in the past um, into the firm in a new way of thinking and all credit to the, the, the partners of the firm being willing and open to change and, um, and, and to think about some new, some new things in different ways. They've always had some pretty good marketing concepts. There's just never been anyone there to really focus on elevating all of those things. What, and so, like, what are some examples of the, the concepts and ideas? Sure. There were, there were, they, always did, they always had a good cadence of uh, emails that would go out to maintain connection with, their, with our audience of intermediaries and the people who are sending us deals to stay connected with that crowd to be top of mind. But they weren't all that sophisticated. They did it, right? So they had the idea and the concept of doing it. We also had a pretty sophisticated deal rewards program where when people would send us a deal, we would reward them with something. And if they send us two deals, we would reward them with something a little bit bigger. And so it would go each month. Uh, I'm working on renovating that too. The branding was an opportunity for me, right? So there's a key word here that, that kind of threads through everything we're doing at Trivest, and that's approachability. For me, I wanted to, take, I wanted to help the firm kind of rebrand and reattach itself to this concept of approachability, especially towards founders. We, we exclusively focus on founder-led and family-owned businesses. And for me, it was important that, um, that the look and feel and the experience throughout the brand tapped into that. That's my background. That's what I know how to do is to create a cohesive branding experience for, for, for companies. And um, for Trivest, it was just blue sky. It was just, it was open fields. <laughs> and we had a great audience. We had- a- Do you mean open fields because the partners gave you the freedom to say, you know who we generally are as a brand, go off and be awesome kind of mentality? Well, or what do you mean open fields? Certainly gave the, well, you, when, when you attach yourself to something that has so much potential to be big and there's already a, a great starting point, right? The firm was already successful, doing the right thing, had these great like pillars of what it stood on, right? Doing right by founders and not, and, and kind of taking away all the pain points that, that you finally, you normally see in a, in a transaction. And um, those are all mostly financial and kind of operational uh, elements that, but we could use those into educating people on why it's great to do business with privates. And again, they were doing that in some way, one on one, but um, really what, what I was able to do is come in and kind of help, help shape the brand and give it that cohesive look. And so that was, yeah, that was an internal project that I, that I, I was able to get through in the first six months of being with Trivest. Yeah. Um, that brings up a good point that I, I think that a lot of our market is seasoned and has their tools sharpened at the one-to-one skill set. Yeah. The CRM that has, you know, you know, Ryan is a tier one relationship and here's everything that I need to do, including the CRM data. I know he has, you know, two kids, here's the age, here's their, but they're not good at the one-to-many or the, the one-to-few, the one-to-many skill set yeah. that is like equally important now in this new era of business development, in the new era of private equity. Absolutely. And, and what I work very closely with our BD team. We have an internal BD team, uh, which includes regionals as well throughout 
uh, including Canada, but also we have three of them around the U.S. and then uh, three of them in Miami that are based in, in the Miami office uh, headquarters. And I, I work very closely with them on a range of initiatives, some of which work, some of which don't really work, but it's, you just got to try some new things. And, and we have a, what I'll call the audacious goal of being recognized as the leading innovators in private equity marketing, right? We want marketing to become a deal flow engine for the firm rather than just something that, you know, helps people stay at the top of mind. I want, I want my effort to be revenue generating, right? To where we're bringing in great deals, certainly more deals is good, but we want to be reviewing really great qualified companies that have a better chance of going all the way to close through diligence and everything else. And, and, we're seeing the uptick in deal flow. We have actually closed a marketing-led deal, which is awesome. It's a huge goal of mine to have that happen. And that happened in the first year of me being there, which is awesome. What do you mean? Well, let's, what does that mean, a marketing-led deal for the people who are- Sure. With that? So, so we put in some, like, what, part of what I've done is really try to institute some tracking mechanisms here, right? To where we can, we can follow through and find out if a, if a lead or if, um, if, a, if a company that comes into our kind of, conversation if it was part of some kind of marketing initiative. And we can define that in different ways. I'm still working on defining that and how that, how that we're still very, we're in the infancy of this. I think we're making huge strides, but we're still early on in figuring out where we can go with it. Um, we're all very excited about that actually. So, um, but we, if we can attach, uh, if we can attach a, a, a deal process or a, or a, a lead a contact to something that we did through marketing, then we can say, well, okay, this, this deal went the distance. Um, these are all the deals that have, are in our pipeline that are marketing fed. That helps us determine if you know, some of the initiatives that we're doing are actually working or not. If they're effective at driving deal flow, the goal is to obviously close those deals uh, because they that flow that, that leads. What's that? What does that f- sample flow look like? For example, they go to a landing page from like they go to your LinkedIn, that LinkedIn goes to a unique, like you have a unique URL for like your landing page from LinkedIn. I don't know what that's called, where the front half of it. Right. We, we actually haven't done that. We've, um, we do have uh, an advertising campaign that's running. Uh, one of our portfolio companies is a digital marketing agency called Lamarck. And they are helping us run um, SEO strategy and yeah. also, you know, click throughs and, 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 our, and our visual ads. So we're going yeah, to I saw that. I would, I would, after, you know, I was setting up meetings after some events, for example, and then you Google, you know, XYZ Capital and you see Trivest on the top. I was like, that's savage. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but that's, that's also very forward thinking. And because you wouldn't think as much, I don't think that skill set is as well known or developed in terms of those digital marketing tactics. Right. That's part of the funnel for us. And that's a whole new crowd, right? So we, we have our email campaigns, we have our website, we have other things that we do to connect with people who we already kind of know. That digital marketing is really capturing people at the keyword level who are, who are then warm leads because they are really, they're already looking for something that's relevant to TriVest, right? We're not interrupting them. We're helping them kind of guide them toward a solution that they have a problem, right? They, they need something to help them solve a problem. They need capital. They need to grow. They want to exit. They want to take some chips off the table. Whatever it is, we're trying to do is 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 to meet people where they where their need is, 
And so we, we've tuned that to, um, to receive founders as well as people we'll call brokers, uh, people who might know of a company, not necessarily the owner of a company. And so those are two different funnels that feed in and then we manage that through our business development. But, um, but yeah, that's been exciting. Uh, I'll call it effective. We're learning as we go, certainly, because it's new for all of us. That's been a lot of fun to see that kind of take shape and grow. That's one of our funnels, right? Yeah, it's interesting because it's, uh, I was wondering, like, do you think that's only specific to the lower middle market or like, you know, the two to 10 of EBITDA or two to five because of the people who would search for that term, for example, or are those digital marketing tactics not relevant for like a core middle market or yeah. other size and shape of firms? You know, it's, for me, it's too, early, it's too early to tell, right? Is the founder of a sufficiently large company doing this kind of Google search? <laughs> it's too early for us to tell per our data, right? We are seeing some companies that are definitely qualified for a TriVest investment, which is a great conversation to have. So let's talk again in a year or so, and I can tell you a more educated, <laughs> more educated with more data to back that one up. Um, what are some of the other things that were kind of the low hanging not low-hanging fruit, but some of the fundamental things over the past year that kind of needed to get done. So for example, yeah. like, do you, I know you have a CRM, which one do you use? Yeah. Um, but also like how sophisticated was it versus kind of where it is now, or was it already good before you came in there? I would say it was, it was uh, we converted from Salesforce to Deal Cloud. Yep. Uh, that was a more recent uh, change. I think it was good. It was there's so much volume, right? So maintaining the database is tough. And so making sure that the, and there's also uh, financial services is very transient. Something, there's something like 20% turnover from firm to firm throughout the year in a database like that. So we have a lot of people changing firms uh, throughout the database. And so, you know, make, making sure that it's up to date is still, that's an ongoing improvement process, right? But I think it's been very good change to deal with that. Use tools like, uh, like a Chrome extension on LinkedIn. So I hover over that person's name who liked a post, and then that ties into Deal Cloud. Love that. Don't use it. I uh, would definitely <laughs> love to do more of that. I, you know, just from a social standpoint, I think that LinkedIn is by far our best platform. We're on all the major ones, but but LinkedIn really? is the one. Yeah, we're on. Well, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And, um, and, um, and, but I think, I think LinkedIn is the most logical for us as a firm, even though everybody is on Facebook. And I think Twitter is more of like an extension of those more announcements and things like that. We don't actively engage on Twitter very much. Yeah, um, but, but Twitter is not like VC. It feels like a waste of time and money. Um, now, what do you think about Facebook? Cause I, I saw Live Oak Bank on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram. I got an ad from them. I was like, you know what, this actually feels appropriate in this channel mm. and me as a small business owner, but I was, you know, where's your head at on Facebook, Instagram, you know, should you do any advertising on there as opposed to the organic stuff? Like, oh, we posted it, we did a deal, which, you know, doesn't really get much, any, any reach, like 50 people see it. But how do you think about Facebook and Instagram from like a paid perspective, either now or down the road? Maybe down the road, we'll get back into it. We tried a little bit and experimented with it. It wasn't as effective for us. Uh, I think what we, it, what we found was the warm lead of PPC, someone typing in a keyword that's already relevant to what we do, was 
is, has been far more effective than interrupting somebody who's just scrolling through a feed, right? And just happen to catch them when they might need something, right? I just, it was a very low hit rate for us and, and a little pricey. So we just decided to maybe just focus on PPC, but we may come back to it. Um, and so, so we'll, we'll have to just, we'll see how it goes with that in, in the future. What do, you, do you think PPC is worth it versus spending your time and your, your personal time and the team's time and money on just other ways to refine the current BD team's tactics, like converting from email to, you know, the, oh, this person's a tier two, they open this email, I haven't talked to them in X amount of days, therefore they need to get some other type of touch. Right. You know, versus like, is PPC the time, money, and effort worth that versus just spending more time on the BD efforts? I, I, I kind of separate it because I think that PPC is largely tapping into an, an unknown audience to us. The, the world is vast, right? We have, we have what we think is a pretty large database of people, but that's a very, very small snapshot of all the people who own businesses, who are brokers in, in, the, in this business, and, and we don't know them, right? So I feel like that the PPC is more inbound on, on people we don't know. Whereas people in our database who we haven't connected with, or there's, you know, some lead has gone kind of cold. We haven't spoken to them for six months. We do have different ways of engaging and re-engaging with those folks through, you know, we'll do a little Zoom, we call them Zoom-ins, where we'll do like a, you know, grab some, grab 15 minutes and have coffee with our BD team. We do these little things where we'll, we'll, we'll send an invite just out to people who, we haven't spoken to in a little while just to re-engage them. So I kind of separate them. What do you think about on content for, you know, broadly speaking, how do you think about the world and content? So for example, uh, I think LLR does a really good job on some of their marketing. You know, one of the things that stood out for me was, you know, I got an email to schedule a meeting and in that, in their signature, it had a link to their growth playbook. Nice. And that's a brilliant way to get them into the funnel. Yes. And also to get like past content to get more and more people coming back to that content. Um, but like, how do you think about content broadly speaking and even specifically down to, you know, we do one blog post every other week or once a month. Right. Man, I wish, I wish we had more, um, I guess, original content from the standpoint of those like playbooks, these evergreen documents, these kind of cornerstone assets you can, you can uh, use to kind of get people in. I think that's very engaging. Uh, big, big part of 2021 for me as, as the marketing guy at TriVest is to help shepherd that process more. I'm not the voice of, of like experience and expertise in private equity. We have great people on staff. But so you have to spend the time with them. You're like, all right, hey, yeah. what are the questions? Yeah. What are the top 10 concerns that a founder has? Cool. Yeah. Put that into a long page, blog, a long form blog. Then that goes into 10 pieces of micro that goes out organically through LinkedIn. Then yeah. that also goes in the email distro, et yeah. cetera. That is exactly right. And that's part of that, that playbook. That particular playbook is one that I would love to be able to do. Um, getting the time... Uh, to, to kind of craft those materials in a way that's kind of evergreen is, is the critical part for me, uh, part of a roadmap for sure. We'll have to see how, how we do that. What we do try to do, um, one area where we are doing that 
is we, you know, we try to segment our outreach a little bit into specific areas of, uh, of our audience. So there's one uh, that we're working on now with our independent sponsor community, uh, which is a growing community Been hit a little hard this year, but we want to reach these folks because it's a, it's a rich community for us as a firm and uh, have a history of doing great deals with independent sponsors. And so we've started a new blog post, which is a monthly interview series with leaders in a space where we talk to them about, you know, their methodology and their expertise and what they see in the market and how they go about doing whatever it is that's important to how they operate. And that's a, it's a program called independently sponsored, which is a blog post that comes out. And that's obviously that goes out as an email blast. It goes on all of our social channels and that's the first Tuesday of every month. We, we, we hit people with that. And that's a new one. We're in our fifth month uh, coming up next week will be our next, our, uh, our fifth, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So that's been really cool. Um, and a way to reach an audience that is, it's a smaller audience within private equity, but it also is relevant throughout the industry. So for us, that's been really a, a, a fun way to connect and to energize a, a base of, of constituents uh, within, within PE that's part of our part of our network. And we want to try to do more things like that where we can we can tap into maybe just the attorneys or just the accounting firms who are sending us deals, right? We yeah. can speak close more closely to these different groups of people within our network. How do you think about doing events? Well, that's changed obviously this year. Uh, we did we we transitioned obviously to only virtual events. We do uh, uh, a CEO conference every year in the past. Uh, let's leave 2020 out of it. In the past, it's been an investor conference every year and uh, a CEO conference. And then we would do a, a year, like an annual webinar that would be more like open, just kind of like an open webinar for everyone to get to get an update on the firm. We're still doing those things. They're now virtual. We've, we've, we've changed the CEO conference into being more of these like town hall meetings. We've done more of them, which has been very good. Because uh, we have procedures in place that help kind of lead a company through a path of growth once they're in the portfolio. That's been an important part of, of, uh, of how we've kind of managed through pandemic and everything turning virtual and not being able to meet in person. And uh, our investor conference was just the same. We've, we've done two investor conferences this year. All the conferences have actually been very well received. And so transitioning from an in-person to a virtual is something we'll probably continue to do we will meet, uh, but we're kicking around ideas of doing a, you know, maybe a year on year off kind of thing where years where it makes sense to meet in person, we should definitely do that. There's validity and there's serendipity that happens when you meet with people in person, right? But we want to try to keep it, you know, manageable for people too. I think people are going to have an expectation of some of these kind of carryovers from 2020 are going to continue on. How was your annual meeting? Like, how did you structure it? Did you use Zoom? Was it some in person? Like, how long was it? What were the segments of it? You know, for example, some of the ones that we've worked on have been, you know, basically the cutoff mark is like two, maybe three hours. Yeah. And, you know, we've shot these over Zoom and the, the structure was starting off with the welcome overview of the firm update. Then you go like fund five, each portfolio company. And each one might also have uh, like a two minute video on the update of the firm, mm-hmm. you know, that we shoot at. And then at the end of that fund, they will open it up for Q and a, okay, cool. Now let's go to fund. Oh, four. Yeah. And then let's do, but the interesting thing is like this balance where we've worked on some projects that have been all like 99% pre recorded, mm-hmm. And then the other part being live with some like 
showing pre-recorded port code videos. Nice. So like, how did you guys structure yours? What do you think worked? What do you think, you know, might want to be different in the future? Yeah, it was, they were all a little different. It was all live. We didn't have anything pre-recorded. We didn't do, we didn't use anything like, like breakout rooms. We weren't quite that sophisticated. We actually had separate for the investor conference that was in, we had one in May and then one again at the end of the year. The, the CEO conferences were a little different, but the, the investor conference we had was a kind of a general assembly Zoom webinar for everybody. And then there were Zoom meetings that were separate to each fund because they have advisory boards which are smaller. And those were more kind of in-depth with each portfolio company. Whereas the, the general assembly was a little bit more cursory, a little bit higher level overview, maybe not every company, but more of like a case study kind of thing for each fund. How long did that? Yeah, good question. I've forgotten exactly. Uh, probably probably an hour and a half was a general I'm assembly. Zoom. Yeah. And, um, and then we did one... Um, for the CEOs, that was too long. It was, I think it was like three hours and that was just felt too long, but it was, it was, it was valuable from the standpoint of we mixed it up. It was a mixture of presenters, right? So it wasn't just private folks presenting. It wasn't just the partners getting up and talking about the funds that they oversee. We had some third party vendors who are adding value to our portfolio companies in different ways, present their businesses as, as, uh, as solutions for our portfolio to start looking at. So and like we, content marketing well, of them and like, here's the operational improvement we did at this portfolio company. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was different types of, different types of engagements. So it was one that was having to do with, uh, you know, outsourced hiring, right. Or, uh, or somebody who was working just on social media. Yeah. There was a, a social listening company. There's a few different ones that can add value in different ways. One is just operational improvement consultant that comes in and just tells you how to run things more smoothly it's a manufacturing company, for instance. So we had, we had a handful of those, which, which, was, which was, I thought, very good. It did go on a little bit longer than we wanted to. Yeah. Um, and we learned our lesson and we, and we tightened it up for the next, the next couple. We've been in that probably hour and a half uh, window, which I think is about the right amount of time. Because I think that yeah. an exhaustive We're going to two hours. Yeah. yeah. Keeping it in one day, as, yeah. in one session, as opposed to like, splitting it out or having breakout rooms. But you yeah. know, we had some, I had some feedback from uh, a law firm that works with a lot of GPs and they were saying like the breakout rooms for LPs was an interesting idea that they've seen at some annual meetings and having that structured into the annual meeting because that's yeah. one of the benefits. Like the LPs don't have a chance to talk to each other sure. in person or as much. You know, on a different note with video, how, how video podcasts, like what are some other creative things that you guys have either used or started to see and explore? Sure. Like uh, Video, for example, I think has probably the most well-known and probably the best podcast in the, in the lower middle market. Parker Gale. Yeah. Parker Gale yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, P- Plexus has theirs. They pause it for a little while, but they're restarting it. Yep. Uh, we're launching a podcast this year. Uh, another one, another bit that's been brewing for quite a while. Just one of those things we've uh, we want to do well, and it started out as a um, kind of a shorter form, kind of quick hit kind of thing. And we decided to make it more of a library of content. Hmm. And so we really want to make that again kind of evergreen for people. Where you know, if we're talking to a founder in you know two years from now, and some kind of scenario comes up and has to do with maybe a non-control investment, we can say, listen. We're having this great conversation. I want you to go listen to this podcast episode. 
it was, it was an interview we gave and it was all about this exact topic, right? I want to be able to be able to go back and research and, and use the, use this library as a resource of information. And so coming up with that content just takes a little time to, to organize and, and to kind of herd that thing together, but that's, it's going to be called the hurdle. So uh, the hurdle is going to be our new podcast uh, that's coming online here in 21. Uh, we're very excited about that. Gosh, what was the other part? Yeah, uh, video. video. Another thing on video. Um, and, and the video, not just for public stuff, but now we're also shooting content for LP facing stuff. So yes. on a quarterly basis, here's our quarterly letter, you know, with the facts and figures, the stuff on in Word and yeah. PowerPoint. But also here's like your quarterly video update. Right. It could be like a two minute highlight. Yeah. So uh, the most we've done on video so far, and again, I think video is, is the most powerful medium for connecting with people. And I'm, I'm a huge advocate of it. We have done some CEO like testimonials, people who've worked with TriBest, and that's on our website, which you can see. And we use that a little bit here and there. The biggest part of it, we have a separate website that's just for our portfolio companies called pathto3x.com. So pathto3x.com. So the path to 3X is a value creation strategy that we've honed over decades of being a private equity firm. And that's a, that's a, private, it's a private site. And it's, you know, it's a password protected thing for our portfolio companies that, that get in there. And in there, and um, I'm happy to give you access so you can check it out. But in there is, a, um, is basically a six-part video series that takes you through the different pillars of the path to 3X. Things like becoming a category of one, top grading your organization with A players, right? Improving your organic growth strategy. These are important things. How you manage M&A. How you- kind Is of, this when they become part of the portfolio? Yeah. And occasionally we'll give them access to that if it's part of a diligence process or if there's something just to kind of get them over the, over the hump. But this is a growing asset for us. Something we manage completely internally. So that's there as a resource for our portfolio companies. They can go back to it and reference these materials. There's also like an integration of each of these six. The six and there's so products. much stuff that you can do at in creating that library of content. So for example, at one portfolio company, they went through this three month turnaround and here's how they improved this system. Oh, then all the, the mid-level managers who are at the portfolio companies can access that library of content. And then they are working together as opposed to coming up through the operating professionals and the right. trust team. Um, right. I, I don't, don't know the extent to which they have that kind of university concept within the portfolio kind right. of within the industry. Right. So the, the, I mentioned the, the CEO town halls. The first one we did was really educating our, uh, our management teams, really, for the port post that this asset, this resource, path3x.com, existed. And then we challenged each of those companies to then go in and accomplish three of, the, three of the six modules. You can pick anyone that makes sense to you, but go watch the videos. They're half an hour long each. It takes a couple hours to do these sessions. And then we guide them through kind of a, a procedure, a process of kind of coming out with a deliverable at the end of each of these modules. And then the second town hall was talking about the learnings from them doing these actual exercises. And we've identified a ton of growth for the companies just by going through different ex exercises to kind of identify cost savings and places where they can grow. And that was very, you know, valuable uh, in the end of the, at the end of the day. Uh, we, we do have an internal group that's our portfolio support group 
Mm. So they, they, um, they are every day they wake up trying to figure out how to keep our portfolio companies growing on, on the path to three X. What, um, how's that chat function been on the website? <laughs> Have you, what percentage maybe, of maybe my favorite thing that we do in marketing right now, it's a great playbook out of like the consumer slash VC skill set or yeah. marketing skill set. But what, what do you think? What percentage of interactions do you think are, Hey, this is why we created this, you know? Yeah. A lot. Sound really shocked. Yeah. So first of all, it's, it's just me and people haven't, people haven't, um, uh, they haven't messed with me too much on there, but yeah, it's, it's me. I'm actually chatting with people. I keep it on all day long. Whenever I'm awake, it's on. And, uh, so I use drift for that, which I absolutely love the product. We actually use the free version of drift. Uh, so there's no real automation. There's no bots involved. If it's, if it's somebody, if I'm there, it's me chat, chatting with people. That's been so much fun. I probably get, uh, probably five conversations a day with people. Wow. Inbound. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, people will ask you all kinds of things. They're looking for- In a given month, you're getting over a hundred inbounds. Yeah. Out of those hundred inbounds, what percentage do you think are founders or- I don't Let's put it this way. It. Yeah, put it this way. I, at one point pretty recently, I need to do the numbers again here at year end, but um, there were 330 conversations and there were 33 deals as a result of those conversations, a 10% clip on deal flow coming in through drift. That's insane. Yeah. It's it amazing. I think the great point here is that when you compare this versus private equity five years ago, you are reducing the friction to connect the founder or the seller with the investment team, the BD team, yeah. the Trivest team, reducing the friction to see if there is a fit. And yeah. that is absolutely fascinating. And guess how much that costs? Goose egg for what you can dollars. It's been awesome. I absolutely you love look it. at that versus intercom. Didn't. Okay. Just drift was good. Just went to drift. It was perfect. And it's more nice. automating solutions like x.ai. So when I email you, there's the, I think it's, is it NLP that scans the email and says, yeah, you know, Ryan is available. This is, this is Jordan Ryan's, you know, virtual assistant or oh, okay. Like x.ai has that automated stuff and yeah. it like scans the email and then it can reply almost like, wait a second. I've just done five conversations with the robot and it feels like <laughs> it feels this is a good conversation. You know, it's <laughs> funny. All scheduling because when you think about like 50 people in the firm that are scheduling how many meetings per week. Yeah. And if you can cut half of those using, you know, a solution like that. Yeah. Everyone does it differently too. We've tried to figure out ways to make that a little more seamless. You know, probably a third of the firm uses Calendly in some way. Uh, either through their like, you know, their email signature or something. Um, we'll, we will sometimes tap into Calendly if we want to schedule something on a BD initiative that I manage through our email platform, which we use Campaign Monitor. And so for that, you know, maybe Cam I'll... Campaign Monitor instead of Cost and Contact instead right. of MailChimp. Yeah. Why'd you, why'd you choose Campaign Monitor? I've never heard of it. So, oh, it's fantastic. I'm really, really pleased with that one as well. Um, and that is because the... The flexibility with the email builder for me, I needed to be, to be able to clone emails and it's just so quick to do things. And I built now a library. We sent 220 campaigns this year 
Um, and so most private equity firms might send five or 10 yeah. or we deal announcements into a week. We send a, th- a, t- a Tuesday email and a Friday email. Your Friday email, the Jim versus Dwight is brilliant. And it was <laughs> we do that. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. We like, do a funny quote every Friday. Well, it, it was brilliant because it has nothing to do with private equity and it has everything to do with building a positive emotion and doing that consistently over time. And I, I was, I was in the kitchen and I was smiling. I was like, wait a second, I'm smiling because of a try this video about the office, which has nothing to do with it, which remembers, which makes me remember who they are. Yeah. That's the goal, right? It's the top of mind goal. We, and, and those are, those are, you'd be surprised how, many, how much time we spend trying to figure out how to make people laugh on Fridays. But um, <laughs> yeah, we do, we, we, that's, um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a group effort for sure. But, but we, um, we send out the funny quotes. That we try to make them funny. Sometimes they aren't. Uh, that particular one, the Jim versus Dwight was remarkably well-received. Uh, we had a very high open rate. We're in, the, we're in the 20 plus percent open rate on our emails. And that was, that was 25. And then we had- But you're probably going out to a very large base. Yeah, it's 20,000-ish. And so ours are like, we did the uh, BD 3.0, uh, the legends of BD and the BD 3.0 and our open rates were like 50%, but we're going out to very, like it was 500 people mm. and 95% plus are BD. So it's yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. How yeah. Do you think- we have, a, we have a, a large variety of people. We had over, over 2000 people clip through that video. So a lot of engagement too. But to your point earlier- And it costs you nothing to do that. Or I mean- it was some. It was literally a link to somebody else's YouTube content. The Office. Yeah, yeah. Now, to your point, it would be good if we had some evergreen content to point them toward. If we had that kind of engagement, right? And we have that that kind of open rate. If we can get people excited about like maybe a, a document that's like the you know the top five ways to get you know screwed in a private equity deal, something a little bit more interesting. But you can do something that's on on brand for Trivest, yeah. but it's still relevant to your sellers that you're selling like no question you can almost have it as like the content the video content series that's yeah. also a, like a spin-off of maybe like the hurdle of right. or relevant content right and you could turn it into some almost like a these like snl skits of like the you could have like the 10 mistakes and it's once a week for 10 weeks right and it's a minute clip yeah of like what a private equity firm says they're doing versus what they are doing right. 100, day, 100 days after acquisition. Yeah, that, no, it's great. And that's the, that's the kind of stuff, that's the kind of original content I'd love to be making. Uh, just haven't had the bandwidth just yet. We've just had so much to do in the first year here. Um, now, as we kind of, some of these systems are on, I won't say they're on autopilot, we still have to do these things. But but as, as we go, we start to find more ways to get more of the firm involved with the marketing side. It's not just me doing all of it. You get people excited about how they can contribute to at least curating content. Maybe it's still up to me to kind of put it together, but, um, but that's been, um, how's the internal temperature been in terms of like the firm adopting like, Hey guys, this is marketing. It is equally important as BD equally important as executing transactions, selling businesses. Um, Cause I know one of the things that we, have experienced with our clients, which I think is common around most of the industry is like, you have a couple people, maybe even just one person in the firm at the beginning of a project. 
And then by like month two or three, then others in the firm are like, oh, okay, cool. This is how it's done. I feel comfortable. I don't feel as reluctant to like do a post on LinkedIn or to do like a video over Zoom. But how's the internal temperature been? Very positive. Um, I've been very pleased with, again, like the, you know, leadership's ability and desire to, to, to improve the firm, even when it's maybe a little uncomfortable to do some of these big changes. I mean, changing the logo changing the whole brand aesthetic. That's not a, that's not a, it's a very personal thing. Branding is always a very personal thing. And I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. And I probably made their head spin when my second week on the job, I was presenting logo ideas. Like, yeah. Who's this guy, right? How does he know? But it took me a while to build their trust into, into what I felt like, you know, this is going to be a good decision to make. And then we can build a whole system around this. Uh, there wasn't really those assets. There wasn't really, that wasn't really laid out beforehand, right? And so we, it was an, it was an opportunity for us to really take what we had in a nod to, in, in all of our branding is a nod to the past as well. I mean, it still kind of has some of the hallmarks of what it used to be, but it kind of weaves in this approachability. Like the just say no red button. <laughs> just say no. Yeah. Just say no. And it's, that's, it's one of those things that has been something that Trivest has done for a long time. A little hokey, sure, but it's part of our, it's kind of part of our ethos and kind of how the personality of the brand, which is definitely something that's there and it's different for us. Your website, it feels warm with the green, the teal green aesthetic plus the blue. It just feels very warm. It feels very inviting, um, approachable. It doesn't feel distant, scary, unknown, private. And I think you guys did a really good job of balancing the brand of private equity with the approachability of consumer. Yeah, thanks. No, that's that's the goal. And it's, it's constantly, we're trying to improve everything as we go along, right? And so what you're seeing there is is the culmination of a lot of work on a lot of different parties, um, but uh, but it's going to continue to improve, right? It's just the version, it's just a version, right? At some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna, gonna to modify as we go along here. What's your process for compliance? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you have a LinkedIn post that you want to do. Um, how does that usually work with you, compliance team, and, you know, whoever is doing the post? Or like, how do you guys think about compliance and marketing? Uh, we have to be careful with how we approach certain things, especially when we're fundraising, uh, which yeah. we're not. Um, but, um, but we, all emails that go out, not the Friday quotes, they're a little different. But on the t- our, we have Tuesday quotes, right? Our Tuesday emails that go out that we call Tombstone Tuesday. <laughs> Tombstone Tuesday is, uh, is now where, again, we have a lot of deal activity. So we are announcing deals all the time. In the event we don't have a deal to announce that week, we, um, we do other types of um, content on Tuesdays. It might be the independently sponsored. Every first Tuesday of the month, one of our Tombstone Tuesdays is an independently sponsored blog post, which is that interview series that I've talked about earlier. Um, the other three or four weeks a month that we have to work with are deal announcements or they are uh, profiles on our existing portfolio company in some way of like gaining new customers or talking about an add-on push and kind of reintroducing or educating people on our portfolio that's existing rather than a deal announcement. And so that's, that's more of like a news and announcements list versus the Friday quote, which is a different list. Uh, lots of overlap, but maybe a better question is like, how do you structure your marketing processes with the team? So for example, do you have on a Monday meeting with the BD team and marketing, we cover here are our marketing initiatives 
And then it goes through the approval team on like creative feedback as well as compliance feedback. Right. Or like, what is your, what does your process generally look like for marketing? Do you have like weekly meetings where, and like who's involved in that meeting? Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a weekly meeting. That's just, it's a high level. It's, it's me and the managing partner and the chief operating officer who the three of us kind of work together to create most of the marketing that happens in the firm. And then as we, as we need to bring in people for different initiatives like BD or one of the deal teams, then we do that um, kind of separately, but the ongoing recurring um, process is really kind of a triumvirate there of, of, of me and our COO and our managing partner. And, um, and that's where like things like figuring out what to put out on the Friday quote is the three of us figuring out. And we have very different senses of humor, which is kind of funny. Yeah. And so that's been fun, but uh, we do have to loop in compliance on our Tuesday emails to make sure that they approve of what we're saying, even though what we're, what we're saying typically has to do with press releases that are already out there, right? Yeah. It's very high level generally. Um, where, it be, where it becomes more difficult is when you have, if you're blessed to have an exit and you want to talk about, you know, the success of a project, success of, a, of, a, of a, you know, returns and things like that got to be very careful about what you do and how you say that and how we present some of that in one-to-one marketing. If it's a, you know, a conversation with a founder from someone on the deal team talking to the founder or BD talking to the founder, they have presentations, they may have different materials in them. But as far as making that very publicly available, we have to be very careful about how we say things. Yeah. This is awesome. We've covered a lot of ground. I have a feeling this is like part one. <laughs> a microcosm of the year. It's been just a lot of things to do this year. It's been very good. Uh, but yeah, no, we're, we're, uh, we're off and running at TriVest. Very excited about the future. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. 